We're just going to wait a minute to make sure. Oh, yeah. There we go. All right. Greetings, readers and travelers. Welcome to episode 11 of Stats on Stats here on the Penultimate Conquest. Today's topic is our discussion of the system apocalypse. We're going through books one through three, which is the whole series is written by the uh, talented Tao Wong. But before we get into that discussion, we have a little housekeeping. If you're watching this on YouTube, consider dropping a like and sub. Also, don't forget to hit the bell to get notifications for our shows like the Penultimate Game Show, the Cross Media Show, Anime Nation, and our Marvel Mondays initiative. If you're watching this on Twitch and have Amazon Prime, you have Prime Gaming, which means you get one free sub to give out. And we love it if you give it to us, but if not, that's quite all right. This week on the Penultimate Conquest, we have our Marvel Mondays initiative will be doing their review of Avengers Age of Ultron. The Cross Media Show will be discussing the future of the MCU and their predictions. And on the Penultimate Game Show, a conversation about superhero games. That's going to be a fun episode. As always, actually, not always, because last week we didn't have him, but he's back. My best friend, my co-host, and the, no the guy I know would have my back in an apocalypse. Joel Harvey. Joel, how are we doing today? Did did anything else happen at Dragon Con? Not what I was referring to. <laughs> that's 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 not what I was referring to, Joel. I was referring to the the other thing that happened, the thing you were supposed to call me about when it happened, but I had to find out a couple days later. Yeah, that thing. Congratulations, buddy. And. And today. <laughs> hey, you know, I just wanted to congratulate you, my friend. But today we are joined by a special guest, the author of books like A Thousand Lee and The System Apocalypse. Tao Wong. Tao, welcome to Stats on Stats. How are you today? Uh, Joel's audio literally isn't coming through. Okay, uh, we have a quick audio issue really quickly, but that's okay because I can fix that really quickly. Ah, <sighs> come on. Hold on. It's a quick fix. We might just have to restart, but that is 100% okay. Try that. Joel, try talking real quick. No, I think it's on my end. Um, 
it's a quick thing in our OBS. Okay, okay. There we go. Okay, I got it fixed. My OBS light had to completely reset. So we're going to restart really quickly. And Joel, how are you doing today? <laughs> I am fantastic, Rich. Uh, in case you missed it, I went to Dragon Con uh, last week and had an amazing time with a lot of great authors and met a fellow listener or listener of our podcast. So shout out to Dalen and also got engaged. So, yeah. All right. And, Tao, how are we doing today? Because we got to completely redo that part because the audio wasn't coming through on uh, because my system just decided to reset itself. I'm doing great. It's uh, great to be here, too. All right. So we're going to dive in to the series real quick. I just got to up the volume really quickly on that. And, all right. So. Today, we will be discussing the System Apocalypse, which is uh, actually and very quickly became my favorite apocalypse uh, book series in this genre. Um, I had a lot of people recommending it in the uh, official lit RPG group, and I always saw, you know, people just saying, oh, this is such a great series. This is such a great series. I'm not huge into the whole apocalypse style. Um, I prefer like the fantasy and the medieval, but I was like, you know what? Nick Podell narrates this. I love Nick Podell. I'm going to dive in. And I bought the first book. I got two chapters in and I bought books two, three, four, five, and six right there. And Joel was like, dude, you got to quit adding to our backlog. We have so much, <laughs> but that's okay. So we're going to read uh, actually, I'm going to do a quick summary of the series really quickly because we are doing the first three books. And then I'm going to read the official summary of the first book. Uh, if I can find the first book on my Kindle. There we go. Ah, OK. Yeah, that's fine. I had it all set up and everything fell apart. You go for a nice little camping trip. You wake up one morning and you have a system notification in front of your eyes. How would you react to that? Your world has been notified to become a dungeon world. You are able to pick a class, and you have to survive in a new area where monsters officially spawn. Well, for John Wee... He uh, he takes it with a stride. He goes in and he picks his class. He has a really sassy companion who we all love. <laughs> he makes friends. He visits some old enemies and has to survive in a new world that is a part of the system. The system apocalypse is a apocalyptic lit RPG that has to deal with action some love and a lot of tough decisions so that was my summary the official summary <laughs> for the first book is what happens when the apocalypse arrives not via nuclear weapons or a comet but as levels and monsters what if you were camping when the world ended all john wanted to do was get away from his life in the national park for a weekend hike camp and chill instead the world comes to an end in a series of blue boxes 
animals start evolving, monsters start spawning, and he has a character sheet and physics-defying skills. Now, he has to survive the apocalypse to get back to civilization and not lose his mind. Life in the North is book one of the System Apocalypse, a lit RPG apocalypse series that combines modern-day life, science fiction, fantasy elements, along with game mechanics. So, I've already kind of given my whole spiel of my thoughts on the series. Because I am all the way through book six right now. There are ten books out on Audible right now? Ten on Audible. Ten on Audible and eleven on Kindle, right? Yep. All right. I mainly do the Audible route just because I work a lot and I listen to these books while I'm at work. So I got some stories there. But, (laughs) Joel... How far have you gotten yes. in the series? I just finished book three uh, last night and started book four, and I am still enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was uh, was it as hyped up as I said it would be? I mean, so I guess this book really connected well with, with uh, Richie, just like, the character wise. So I didn't really get that character connection as much as he did. Um, but all still really. What was that last part you cut out there for a second? Uh, all in all that w- it's still a really, really good book. All right. See, I told you, you, you actually took my recommendation for once. Usually you're the one recommending. Um, <laughs> so, um, Mr. Wong, you started writing the series. Uh, the first book was published back in 2017, correct? Yep. All right. And so far, we have 11 books out on uh, Kindle at the moment. One, uh, the first book in the spinoff series that was co-written with Craig Hamilton. Yep. And then the other series that is coming out that is System Apocalypse Australia. Yep. And that one's not out yet, but that was written with Katie, Katie Hanna. Katie Hanna. Yeah. Which she's an and amazing so, author. Um, I've listened uh, to a couple, or her series, I am spacing on the title because there's so many on names. The online. Yes. Uh, that one's on my Kindle. I actually read that one uh, last, I think, earlier this year? Last year? Like end of 2020, I think. I, I can't remember. I've been through way too many books that I just lose track sometimes. But... Uh, I am very excited for those. I haven't started uh, Fistful of Credits, which is the uh, first spinoff book that is currently out because uh, I didn't know when I was allowed to start it. For <laughs> I wanted to be caught up with the System Apocalypse before I... Well, it's all both uh, System Apocalypse Australia and Fistful of Credits, they both start at the same time as uh, book one okay. of uh, the series. So they're basically just different starting points uh to the system advent so that none of them really require you you to read the previous series um we set it up that way specifically for these um who knows there might be others in the future where it will be non you know uh earth-based but uh right now all of these are based off uh basically the same timeline as a system apocalypse book one okay so it starts out with the like 24 hour grace period. 
from yeah. uh, one it, hour, I think. Is it one hour? I, I thought it was. Yeah, 24. it was a one hour grace period. I was not <laughs> nice to people. No, no, you weren't. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say this right now because there are a few things I will be touching on that you were not very nice to me because <laughs> I, I finished book two. I was sitting in my car in my driveway crying <laughs> because of what happened. So I will get to that in a minute. All right. So uh, when you started writing this, uh, ah, I, I see you got a, is that a system apocalypse? Mike? That is amazing. I yeah, love that. that. I want that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, got excited there. Um, with when you started writing this series, did you have the plan right away or were you kind of just like throwing ideas out there or? Oh, um, when I first, first started writing, I had no real plan. Okay. Um, I'm a what they call a discovery writer. So I start writing uh, with an image or a thought or a concept behind something. And then I figure out the world as I write. Um, I did have to stop a few times and go, what the heck am I doing? Uh, especially with lit RPGs, you really need to stop sometimes and look at the system behind it and get the general concepts behind systems and the stats and the numbers and everything like that. So you, you can't really discovery write those stuff kind of you do have to sit down whenever you hit that point and go well how am i going to do this but the general plot arc um i didn't really have a final idea on it until probably three quarters of the way through the book itself and um it's always been john's story right um mm -hmm. it's very much about this specific character uh, and how he's handling the apocalypse. And so once I got about three quarters of the book true for book one, book 12's ending uh, was very clear to me. I knew exactly where it had to end um, because of who John is and what he is like. So where I'm at in the series, I have a theory on what's going to happen at the end, but I'm not going to put that into words <laughs> yet because I want to get caught up before I have a theory like because the theory has evolved as I've continued uh, through the story. Um, I really love John's character. I. When I was trying to explain this character to Joel. I <laughs> couldn't put it into words exactly on what I was thinking when I said this is the one character in a lit RPG novel that I can actually relate to. I have a lot in relation with, uh, with John in more ways than one. And uh, we could talk about his character development here in a second, because John is definitely probably one of the best written characters. And I know on a post uh, in the lit RPG community, when I was, when I posted about how much I love this series, uh, you ended up commenting and a lot of people were saying that, Oh, I didn't really care for the character of John or, Oh, I really liked the character of John. And then I saw your comment of when I was writing him, you either are going to really like him or you're, you're not. Um, he, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say John's very, 
he he does do that with people partly because he's very broken um people who are who know people who are broken or who themselves are broken see a lot of that in him uh and they relate really hard a lot of them uh to him um people who have had bad experiences with that or who don't want to fall back into that kind of because he's a very very angry man um and that can really put people off um there is no doubt about it um john is It, it, it was interesting writing him, um, partly because he, as a discovery writer, he kind of writes himself to some extent, but there's very clear points where he's gone and said, nope, I'm not doing that. This is where I am and this is what I'm doing. Full stop. I'm not going to, you know, play nice. I'm not going to uh, make the smart choices sometimes. <laughs> He he has some decisions where I'm like, oh, that was a really good decision or, oh, that was uh, that was not a good decision, um, which I mean, with every main character in any series, you're going to have those moments. And I've learned that through the multiple series that, you know, Joel and I've been through because we tend to, you know, read the same series to try to. So we have a conversation and that's why we started this podcast is so him and I could have a conversation about you know, these books that we love so much. Where was I going with this thought? <laughs> uh, Joel, explain your thoughts on how on John. Okay. Yeah. So, um, personally, like I didn't relate very well to John. Also, I'm like, very close to with like Richie and I feel like I see John in Richie so I feel like I am able to sort of call him out sometimes on like the points where I'm like why why are you doing that but uh no uh oh so boy here we go again <laughs> Shut it, Ollie. Now, my opinion is uh, that John is very emotionally constipated <laughs> as a character. It, 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 he is. Yes. Yeah, he just holds everything inside. And whenever you... Uh, uh, the only real emotion that he does let seep out is his anger. Uh and yeah so that's very frustrating for me as like a reader to be like oh uh what about your relationship with lana like what about like i don't know other situations that you could have like handled better <laughs> um so i guess yeah that's that's sort of like where i'm coming from in my review yeah so this is how I've I've looked at it um, for the longest time. The relationship. I mean, I've known Joel since 2011, 2012. So we've known each other for the past almost 10 years now. And when I first started reading lit RPG books, the relationship that him and I kind of had was 
like Richter and Scion in The Land by Alaron Kong. And that was my introduction <laughs> into the lit RPG genre. Now I'm more convinced that we're, we're John and Ollie. That's that's where I'm at with our where I feel like our relationship is. I see that. It, it's bad. It's frightening. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Which I had a note sheet. I want to go ahead and uh, throw this out there. I had a note sheet on my notes for the series, but someone here decided to chew it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about you. Hi. Ah, that's oh, everywhere. Ah, little shit. Which Joel? Your cat ate out. your homework. He legitimately <laughs> ate my homework. Usually, it's the dog that eats my homework, but no, it was my cat. So, with John's character development and his relationship with a, a certain uh, few people, uh, there's one relationship that struck me really hard because I felt like I was being called out on. And that was his relationship with Lufian. <laughs> Wait, with who? Luthien. His, uh, his Okay. And John or Joel knows exactly where I'm going with this. I'm not going to drop any names just for privacy reasons and stuff like that. But I had an ex who acted just like her. Joel, tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. <laughs> And that uh, that breakup was uh, not a very good one. And it's a long story short. I've always been like, oh, if you know, like the typical like things I probably shouldn't say, like, oh, if you got hit by a bus, I really wouldn't care. When you get to the moment in book three with uh, her death and Bill's death. Uh, spoiler, by the way, because like I said, we were talking books one through three. <laughs> I was speechless because I was like, yeah, I can't wait for her to die. When when we first met Luthien, I was like, ah, I can't wait for her to be killed off. This is going to be such a great, great moment. And then I we got to that. Scene. I was like, I'm sad. I'm actually sad. <laughs> I don't like this. I'm actually sad. And like John's reaction to it, I was just like, ah, oh, God, I'm connecting with him more and more. And I don't know how to feel about this. Yeah, and I, so I've, already, like, I've already given Joel the warning <laughs> of don't get attached. B because a death I had to deal with recently in the books broke me even more than the uh, <laughs> the ending of book two. But I can't say the name because I don't want to spoil that for Joel. Mm -hmm. No, you can't. So, Joel, you Just need to you need to continue. Shut, shut your face hole. <laughs> I know exactly. I I will say this about a lot of the characters. There are one death um, since we're talking about spoilers uh, mm -hmm. within the first few books. Richard's death was the only death I ever actually plotted. I I knew in in the sense that I knew that this was going to happen, um, and so and that's when the death I that broke me. Yeah, I and it, and that was it was it was one of those things that I needed as a writer to do um, to drive home how bad things are getting, um, as well as the costs that are involved, kind of thing. Um, and so I knew where it was going, and so I had to go backwards and 
do a bunch of work on it. But his was the, about the only death that I ever actually plotted. Everyone else who dies, um, they come almost as a surprise, as much of, of a surprise to me as uh, it does to you. And it's it's a funny writing process because I'll be writing it and then it'll happen. And then I'm like, oh, I guess I need to go and do some stuff with this. Uh, and often you have to go backwards uh, and do things like, you know, make sure that there is an actual arc involved. Uh, often there is already and you haven't really realized it. But sometimes you just need a little bit of tweaking to make to foreshadow things a little bit more so that it's kind of clear to people. It's. You don't ever want it to be, oh, this person is going to die. But you do want it to be, when it happens, people are like, oh, I can see that. I can see why. And it's because there's always a little subconscious thing going on at the back of their brains as they're reading through or listening. Uh, that they're picking up on all of these little cues uh, that you're dropping in. Um, and it's always fascinating for me uh, because so much of Citizen Apocalypse is very violent and death-ridden and people it die is. on and i'm like oh all right well let's make sure that this is done right and, <laughs> and that puts into the perspective of kind of like the comment i made to joel of don't get attached because it just proves that no one is safe and i feel like for an apocalypse i've always wanted an apocalypse like um like usually it's the zombie apocalypse uh my friend <laughs> in high school uh one summer i was watching the walking dead and her and I had a full on texting uh, conversation for about six to seven hours. Joel, I think I told you about this, where she was on her way down to Tennessee and we were just texting back and forth, coming up with the perfect zombie apocalypse plan. We were going to take over the theater at our high school because of the doors it had. It had a bay so we could get a truck down there. Like we had a whole uh, systematic plan. So <laughs> like and I feel like with a lot of the the series that we get. Um, when it comes to like an apocalypse style that it's, it's hard to say like, Oh, if this could really happen, you know, like in that like type of world. And I want to say like, this is the most accurate when it comes to like the system, because the books take place like present day, right? They're not like too far into the future or anything no, like that. They were pretty much present day at okay. the time of writing. So, you know, start of 2017 and, up to we're in because there's the I already told Joel about the four year gap um, to 2021. Yeah. I did the yeah I did the well or is it 2022 because the whole year uh, that was about between books books one to three were a year mm -hmm. and then four and five were basically about a year in there okay so about six years in. Uh, so there was a the... six-month gap between like three and four. Yeah, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And I yeah. mean, there's a, there's a lot of, and I don't, I don't mind the time gaps at all. When I started book six, and it's like, oh, there was a four-year time gap. Like I was expecting like to hear about the training and everything, and then I got to your author's note at the end, and I was like, you know what? I wouldn't mind reading that separately because it jumped in. John's a badass. I love it. <laughs> Which, spoiler, Joel, John's a badass, but we already knew that. That's not really a spoiler. Rich. Yeah, that's not a spoiler. <laughs> John is probably... I want to do, before we dive more into the story and everything, I want to do the favorite characters. Mine, personally, yeah. um, it, it's a, it was like a three-way tie for me. Uh, John, 
Richard and the first fist. I really liked the first fist. <laughs> yeah. I, I love a good Minotaur character. <laughs> Makes me want to play World of Warcraft to get my Torin Paladin back out. Uh, Joel, oh, man. favorite character, buddy. Yeah. So when Rich asked me this question earlier, he said, so what's your favorite character and why is it Ollie? And I, I knew immediately. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's definitely Ollie. So, um, so Joel works third shift. I work f- very early first shift. I go in at 4 a.m. So I get up at 2. I get a text last night. And I want to look at the exact time because it woke me <laughs> up and I was mad. But I saw it was Joel and I was like, okay, I can read it in the morning. If it was an emergency, he would call me. At 11.25 p.m. my time. So that is 1.30 in the morning for Joel. <sighs> Go clean your tubes, boyo. I knew exactly which part he was at. <laughs> I knew exactly what was going on. And I was like, yep, I know whose favorite character is because he sent me a quote from Ollie. So that's how that went. Oh, man. Um, Yeah, he's definitely like the uh, humor, which this book, I feel like, definitely needs. And he's also not annoying about, like, being humorous. Like... uh, He owns it. Yeah, he's very, like, intellectual about, like, his humor, which I, I really... And the the curse of powering through these books, because a lot of a lot of the time when people are like, oh, you're just powering through the books, you're not getting time to actually enjoy them. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm soaking them in and I'm holding all the enjoyment in. Um, There's a scene I can't I want to say it's like it's later, but uh, Ollie's got like traditional like garb on. Um, and he has like the hat on and he. Uh, John calls it a turban. He's like, no, no, that's not the name for it. And he goes, yeah, but like, that's, that's what we, that's what we call it. And he goes, you call it the proper name. And I'm just like, Ollie, you are sassy when you want to be. I love it. <laughs> like you have no problem calling John out and saying, dude, you need to take a step back. And that's probably one of the reasons why Richard's one of my favorite characters for the, you know, two books that he's in was he definitely felt like the moral, compass for john until like lana kind of came in and took over and kept john in balance because john has a lot of anger issues i relate to that i get angry really quickly and when i get like unhinged like there are moments where i'm just like whoa i need to take a couple steps back um i recognize this and it's one of the issues i've actually had to work on in these uh the past two years because when i get angry i i mean i get I get angry. I yell. I scream, and like I, like I have this like infernal rage. So like Joel is definitely my Ollie because he's like, oh boy, here we go again. Like we need to, we need to put the brakes on this really quickly because whoo, it's getting bad. But <sighs> Richard's death definitely hit me harder than I was expecting it to. Like because I was, I was honestly expecting Lana to die. At that moment, I was I was expecting, you know, Lana to die and, you know, that to definitely hit John in a way to where it's just unleashes this infernal rage that you would only see in a barbarian and not in a region honor guard that that he is, (laughs) which 
I gotta say, I love the class. The Reach and Honor Guard is probably one of the core, the coolest classes. Because when he was going through the list, and he had the what was it, the Dragon Knight was one of the yeah. options at the beginning. I was like, oh yeah, pick that, pick that. I want to see the dragon. Aww. <laughs> He's an otter guard. Well, otter guards are paladins. Okay, I could I could see him doing some paladiny stuff. All right, like <laughs> let's let's go with that. He's not your traditional paladin. <laughs> he is not your traditional paladin. He is uh, he has that dark paladin vibes. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's it's funny actually. Um, light spoiler in the sense that but book nine uh they end up in uh he ends up dealing with the eritrans a lot more Ooh. and uh it gets uh it, it gets amusing watching him deal with them and then with him you know what joel i'm sorry i'm gonna throw a white <laughs> spoiler out real quick because this is probably one of my favorite moments when he gets back from his training and it's that four-year gap and uh, the paladins are standing next to him, uh, his mentor, who I don't really care for. I, I I do not like her character at all. So Joel, get ready to meet her because she sucks. Um, when he just like he opens a portal and just dives into battle, like as soon as he gets back, he looks, he sees his friends are in trouble. He's like, oh, well, time to go help him out and just goes ballistic on everything. And everyone's just like stunned to see him, but they don't even stop because they've been doing this for years and years. And they knew he was alive because there are certain systems in check, which another one of the mechanics I love, which that's actually what our next topic is going to be is the mechanics. And I'm going to pass that over to Joel because he's the mechanic expert when it comes to that stuff. Resident mechanic fanboy. <laughs> that's, that's my new title. You, yeah, he's, he's our lit RPG mechanic expert. I'm the lit RPG character development expert. <laughs> so, yeah, Joel, light spoiler. He dives into battle and he's a badass. Like it's, I'm it's, definitely it's, looking forward to that. It, it doesn't even stop. And like even when the emotional moments happen, you're just like, all right, let me get back to the action because I just need to kill some <laughs> stuff to get back to feeling OK. So, Joel, go ahead and talk about, like, some of your favorite mechanics. Okay. Um, so, I feel like whenever mechanics are involved, I definitely could, like, parse out that uh, uh, discovery writer, sort of, just because of, like, well, for one... Whenever he gets the quest of, like, uh, what is the system, mm -hmm. that was very much like a, I don't know, not, it's, it's a way that you, like, can build the world without being, like, here's a bunch of information all at once, and, like, uh, so, like, steadily through the book, we, we find out more and more about the system, which is, I, I really enjoyed. Um, and then the class, like we said, is uh, totally awesome. Um, yeah, he's a badass. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else? 
I think this is the most time we've said badass on a uh, on a show. <laughs> Probably. He, um, he's very what, angry. What do you think of the dungeon angry. mechanic, Joel? Like oh, the, yes. The uh, I'll, I'll let you talk about that for a second, because I know where you're at. There's been they've done some dungeon delving and stuff like that, which I mean, that's that's usually what you and I do when we play MMOs is just go run dungeons. Yeah, I think what really sets this book apart is like how the system like affects the world. So like when he first spawns in, he spawns in at a level 130 zone or something like that. Yeah, right. one. Yeah. that was one twenty. Uh, some some like super high level zone, Too and that sort of gives him the uh, some bonuses of starting in that zone to help him survive, and uh, that was definitely a really interesting original aspect of it. And uh, yeah, so like as the world is developing you see like these different zones come into play and then there are dungeons in the different zones which uh, are interesting because you get like a first time bone honestly i'd like to ask rich what his favorite dungeon is i can't say this <laughs> is a spoiler uh okay what's your favorite dungeon from book one through three uh I think it's the first one they go into. I'm trying to remember who the boss was. Was it the? Are you thinking of the lair that they are, they walk into? Or yes, the, yes, yes, yes. The lair. Okay. Also, yeah, the, uh, the lair, the one that with the shadow monsters. Uh, yes. With a name that I even that I made uh, <laughs> Nick pronounce. Um, Kizikliklik or something like that. It's it's a it's a weird was, name, but like. It was a very weird name. Quick shout out to Nick Bodell. He's definitely one of my favorite narrators, and I have probably more books of his in my Audible account than any other narrator, other than probably Jeff Hayes or Neil Helliger's. If I'm thinking correctly, because Joel, I usually <laughs> bounce between the Sound Booth audio team and Nick Bodell, right? Yeah, like, pretty much. Oh, and, Tra and Travis Baldry. I, I, I love me some Travis Baldry, but Travis is great. Uh, congratulations. Ooh. You have spawned in the Kaluna National Park level 110 plus zone. You've received 7,500 XP delayed. So it's a one. It's a level 110. We were all we were all technically correct yeah. because, you know, it's high up there. It's a it's a very high <laughs> level zone. And we need to talk about one specific thing that John has that is definitely overpowered. Ollie? No. <laughs> no. no. It, it's on the front cover. Oh, Saber. Saber, mm. which I thought Joel yeah. was going to bring up, but apparently not. <laughs> his. I totally did not forget about Saber. His mega suit <laughs> motorcycle. Yeah. It's a Gundam. It's a legitimate Gundam. It's, 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 it's Robotech. Um, that's that's where I, I I took it the inspiration from in the sense that it was just like okay well you know the, the first time it morphed I was like oh I need the suit that <laughs> and I love everyone's reaction especially the uh, when they're in Whitehorse and the like three teenagers are trying to steal the bike 
yes. and he's just standing there watching it with one of the guards and he's like no let's let's see and after like 30 minutes he ended up like sounding the alarm off or something and like the teenagers just looked and he went over and he started the bike and they all took off and he's like yeah they're just kids being kids i would have done the same thing when i was his age <laughs> oh, i love saber and saber like he he tries to hide it from everyone i mean he doesn't really tell i'm spacing on her name i want to call her uh Makima, but I know that's not her name. Makito. Makito, thank you. Uh, our little samurai warriors. Uh, <laughs> she is a delightful, delightful character. I love her. And she she has a very tragic backstory, too. Like, everyone pretty much has a tragic backstory. And what? I I didn't really bring up um, my, my love for uh, Lana. Uh, because uh, Lana is definitely probably one of my favorite female protagonists in any book series. And even after some of the decisions that I've experienced that she has to make, uh, there's the one decision I want to keep spoiler free because I want everyone else to experience that for the first time. I think we all know what decision or what kind of back thing, because I I think that's in book three, because it's definitely before the end of oh yes yeah yeah the recognition just clicked i saw it <laughs> yeah well there's this a couple of times when uh yeah, there's could have there's that, there's a couple but... decisions she makes that the one i just experienced i don't blame her for because it's been four years joel you haven't gotten there yet but <laughs> yeah the, the book tree one where yeah it's it was hard. It was a hard decision and I want to talk about it, but that's one I want everyone else to experience that is going to hopefully read this series. Cause like I said, this is why we do this podcast. Um, I want to share my love and Joel's love for these, these books and just kind of be able to talk about it. And I thought that my conversation where I was going to talk about how much I love the character of John and some of his relationships R, um was going to be a very long section. I was like, Joel, if we did this correctly, I could probably have this podcast go for three hours, but I can't have this podcast go for three <laughs> hours. I have an hour and 30 minute cap because <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to go too long. So we'll have to do a second section where we do books four, five and six and then, you know, seven, eight, nine and the rest of the series, because this is this is a fun series and this is a series I feel like that I can actually express a lot of stuff on because normally I don't do the the sci-fi stuff like I said I like to stick strictly to mainly the fantasy the medievalness the yeah. the knights the sorcerers the dragons which is in this series there's dragons <laughs> and holy shit are they terrifying jo they, uh... John's got some kahunas on him I'll say that <laughs> The the dragons are really scary, and um, they they I mean, to me, dragons have always there's two things that they have to be: they have to be scary, and they have to be uh, wise to some extent. And you don't see the second part in this book yet, uh, in the first book tree, but uh, they are they are sentient and sapient. Sorry. I want to say the one, the, the second one I met um, in the later books. No, wait, don't they meet him in book three for the plan? 
Yes, they, they see them in book tree. They deal with them in book tree. Yeah, because they, they do the whole getting him out of the cave to plant the bombs so that way yeah. they could be like, well, if you take over this settlement, we got we got planned in store, which yeah. we're I want to go ahead and segue into a certain character. And this is part of the reason I um, I connect with John a lot more. Is the character of Roxley. Our tall, handsome dark elf is <laughs> that's I mean, that's that's what he is. Uh, he's a Treon. Is that the race? His official Trina. race? Yeah. yeah. That's the Trina. Yeah. Trina. With yeah. the very high charisma that uh, has, you know, butterflies and all that fun stuff going on in John's stomach whenever he uh, does that. John just like smooth talking like that low tone. <sighs> I'm attracted to Roxley and I don't want to be because he's a shitty person. <laughs> he's not shitty. No, he he's he's a very good person. He just he has some very um shitty decision making, which I think all the characters do. He he has a job to do. Mm -hmm. It's a very specific job. And he has a lot of people to take care of, you know, th those require certain sacrifices. They do. The and one of those sacrifices is definitely betraying John or making having John feel like you, he betrayed him. And I mean, in John's shoes, I felt betrayed. I felt <laughs> betrayed at, at the decision that Roxley uh, makes. And like I, I recently just came out as a uh, bisexual man. So that's one of the things that I, I relate with John because John has like that, like conflicting emotions with um, Roxley. And then, you know, I already told Joel, I was like, yeah, you know, the relationship. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> interesting talking to people about John's uh, bisexuality and whatnot, because one of the complaints that I always see is people are like, well, he's only ever attracted to one person. And I'm like, Please don't but, talk to some of the bisexual people. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I feel like there's a couple people in this uh, series that he definitely is like, I don't know if that's the char charisma going or anything, but I, I love well, that about his character. Um, and I, I could see like, you know, a lot of people doing or giving the hate for that, which sadly, that's just the world we, we live in. And that's, on my stream channel, I've always tried to, you know, make it a very open place, you know, have people come and talk about their issues. Like if they have any, any issues, uh, reach out to someone, reach out to me, reach out to Joel. Like we're, we we want to help people. And I've, that's why I like sharing these stories and the lit RPGs. Cause these helped me through a really dark time in my life. Um, that's part of the reason with the breakup. Uh, that's when I started reading the land and it just like, it, it pushed me through a really, um, really dark time in, in my life and that's i'm planning out a whole tattoo sleeve for like some of my favorite series and i'm just gonna have it go completely up my uh arm for all these okay. little rpgs and just com combined all these because like these are not only like a remembrance but just something i love and i'm passionate about and i've told joel about a couple of them and he's like do it do it do it do it do it do it <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's discovery writer, right? Mm -hmm. um, John, when I, I didn't really, you know, 
the initial period, there's not really any talk about sex or anything. It's right. other than the fact that he had his girlfriend. Right? Yeah. What it was. Um, so the moment Roxley walked in, uh, John and John's reaction to Roxley was very matter of fact. It was like, wait, what's going on here? In the back of my mind, it was like, and you, as an author, you have these little conversations sometimes you have with these characters that live in your head. And I'm like, so is it the magic or is it because you like it? No, no, the magic's kind of dealt with. I, I just like him. I'm like, oh, so you're bi. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I kept on writing. I was just like, okay. You know, at the time I was writing, um, I was just writing for fun, right? Mm -hmm. I, these books were on Royal Road before anything else. Um, I had no intention of publishing them uh, officially or to make money or anything. Um, so they're just writing it. So I just put it down, you know, wrote it, whatever, I, and moved on. It was not a big... It, I didn't think it was going to be a big thing. I didn't, you know, I. it was just what it, what it was mm -hmm. uh, for John. Uh, and for... For John, it's just a aspect of his personality and what it is. He's he's not really conflicted about it, which is weird. I don't for for a guy who's emotionally incredibly emotionally constipated about so many things. The fact that he's attracted to to Roxley, and he's he has no real issue with the fact that he's attracted to him as a man. It's more everything else that goes on that, that because Roxley's, you know, alien and all of those other things, you know. Roxley is like he's a character when he first came on the screen or well on the pages and uh, in the audio. I I was very nervous about his character. I, I won't lie there. I, I was very nervous. I was like, ah, this is this is not going to go well. There's so many things that could happen. And a few of the things that could happen actually happened in the series. And I was like, aha, I called it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but like they're all the whole like conniving plan that they're trying to do to, you know, make sure that they can keep the, the town under Roxley's control with, even though you have the city council and then you have the official council for the, the human side, which I think was um, honestly the most, human reaction that they're like we don't we'll have the the city council to keep face but we're going to have all the humans be on the official council that way we can you know do some behind the scenes stuff that the city council won't have to deal with that honestly yeah. felt like a very human uh reaction and it goes into like the deeper topic of you know <laughs> oh we don't want these aliens here they're they're not our kind all that kind of stuff which kind of sets like the tone of humans are humans and it's still scary <laughs> yeah. especially in Honest an apocalypse setting honestly yeah. i find that like very humorous of just being like hey aliens who want to take our city surprise bureaucracy <laughs> I, I, just, like, I have the Emperor Palpatine moment in uh, Revenge of the Sith. I love democracy. It's like, yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> yeah. But like it just it adds like a whole nother level of the realisticness and like some of the topics 
that you you deal with in in your series and once again you do a fantastic job like i've been hooked since day one and i wanted to continue reading the series but i'm waiting for joel to catch up so that way we can <laughs> go through it together and i'm just like dude i want to go and originally we had planned to do books one through six and that's what the original twitter post was over on the official stats on stats page but uh joel went to dragon con so we could only get to uh, book three and that's fine because that's the first arc and we have a lot we can discuss and we've we've actually already discussed quite a bit without giving away some of the major plot points yeah i mean we gave mild spoilers but that's okay we're always going to give mild spoilers on this podcast and i feel like some spoilers are okay and some are not okay. and some of the ones we've talked about have definitely been okay uh, Joel, do you have any like things you you really want to discuss and tackle into real quick before we wrap up? Uh, I don't know. I guess uh, maybe like I don't know. How I would be curious how much uh, world building went into uh, like creating your book. In what sense? Uh, just in like did you like plan out maps did you like say oh this is how i want my system to work did you like uh plan out the different alien creatures that you were going to have um just like how much of that was sort of ad-libbed and discovered and how much of that was like okay this is what i want want to happen Ooh. That's a hard one. Um, some of it was planned. Um, some of the main creatures, like the idea what, with regard to all of these, I wanted kind of traditional-ish, you know, dwarves and elves and whatnot, but I wanted to twist them. So the idea of the mana seepage coming true, and that's why we have all of these stories of elves and dragons and whatnot, because it's, basically information that was coming true before the system advent was, was happening um that was planned out uh, when i wrote it so that i could bring in all of these uh various creatures um a lot some of the creatures that uh are brought in um i know especially during combat uh or fights as I, I as i start hitting a point where i'm like okay i need a fight now what does the fight need to be like um, I'll, I'll start looking for types of creatures, um, mostly from mythology. Uh, some of the creatures that I create are mytho old mythological creatures, just not the ones that we normally see. Um, so the Nektuku, um, the, uh, what are they called? Those um, skinless horse creatures uh, that are flaming. Those, uh, those were some of them some of the ones that uh, are actually part of our mythology, just not the ones that you see normally. Uh, so I love pooling things like that out uh, to go and display and to play with them uh, throughout the uh, books themselves. Um, when it comes to big fight scenes and uh, locations, uh, especially if they're real world locations, I always pull out Google Maps and whatnot, just so that I can get an idea about you know distance and whatnot. Uh, to get a feel of it, um, if I I try to use locations I've physically been in as much as possible, 
um, just so that I, when I'm walking through it, like most, it was part of the reason why I set it up in the Yukon, um, because part of the idea of the entire series was what happened. I was reading post-apocalyptic work, lit RPGs, uh, but they, at that time that I was reading them, um, and there were only like three, maybe four series at, out at that time. Scotty Fuchs' Earth Tactics Advance, randomly Ghost Hounds work, um, Change New World, which was set in, I think it was either the Philippines or Indonesia, and it was Ooh. set in a other world. There was an old Royal Road one that got abandoned. Um, but as far as both Scotty and I can tell, that's the first change, uh, Western-based uh, post-apocalyptic worlds. Um, supposedly, there's a few recent ones that I've never managed to read. Um, yeah, it does seem that there's a lot. It, it's becoming more popular for uh, post-apocalyptic, uh, at least in the like lit RPG uh, subgenre. Even that's actually what like yeah. some of our next few episodes are going to be. Is uh, we have this one, uh, then our next one is actually going to be more of a sci-fi cyberpunk one for our episodes. Then we have an apocalypse, and then possibly another apocalypse because we have a guest coming on the tenth. Uh, and possibly one on the twenty seventh. I'm st- or the twenty fourth. We're still waiting to hear back, though. Yeah, but. yeah. It's a sudden explosion of post apocalyptic work, which is uh, um, amusing to me. I-, I love reading it, right? Because I write in that. So I, it- it's fun seeing what people do with uh, the same concept and how they twist it. Um, but at the time, there's, there wasn't a lot of it. Um, but putting it in the in the Yukon allowed me to bring things that I'd literally walk through, that I've seen, you know, um, and ground the world a lot more. Um, a lot of the business aspects or in social cultural stuff, that's a lot more research driven, obviously, because, you know, I can't take apart societies yeah. <laughs> and put them back together. But um, all of that, I, I do a lot of reading um, in terms of... Uh, history and uh social so sociological stuff so a lot of that kind of blends into my work uh, by itself um but not on a i will take a pen and write it down kind of level um i rarely do that to some extent that being said i think my back end notes of stuff have now hit like 50 plus pages oh, and that's wow. not that's, that's not including the character sheets. <laughs> that's not include. Oh God! No, I, the, that's a the, lot. The, well, I mean, it is, I mean, for a lit RPG, that's honestly like not as like uh, as much as like some other authors have had. Like yeah. from what I've heard, it's it, a lot of mine because the system itself is so expansive the way i built the system it was meant to be so expansive that there is no way for me to write every single class or skill or whatever it is so i don't bother um i have guiding principles on how each of these classes work and how you build a new class um and so that allows me to kind of quickly rebuild things and of course i have to excel spreadsheets for you know actual numbers when i need to do numbers but uh most of my information that i have for notes and everything are very i I will building aspects uh how do these cultures work um 
how do these political, who are the political players in these areas? Who, where are these locations? What's in it? Even as simple things like a list of all the different monster names that I have, and then maybe even a one or two lines about what they are, so that sometimes I can reference backwards and go, okay, well, that's that monster that I had. I'll just reference them again. Wow. That's a, yeah. that's a lot. <laughs> I'm not a very good... Uh, it, it should be a lot bigger, actually. It, truthfully, it should be a lot bigger. Uh, just with the sheer variety of monster names, for example, um, not a good note taker. Yeah, I, I, I've I never mean, been a good note taker. I mean, it still like doesn't show like in your work. I think it's, yeah. See, I, I thought I was being a pretty decent note taker because uh, I'm, I was trying to get more of a like an actual plan like for the podcast and everything and working on the show docs, and I had a lot of notes until someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you. Okay, yeah, lay back down. Decided to chew it up because I left it on my bed. So um, one question I haven't gotten to ask in a while. Uh, usually when we have a guest on, uh, we, we like to ask a certain question when it comes to the fantasy world. So you are teleported into a fantasy world and you get to do your character customization. What would you go as for your uh, your class and you know race? Would you be like human, elf, dwarf, or um, any any anything from any like pastime? So like you could do like any of the D and D races or anything like uh, like the World of Warcraft stuff. If I can pick a race that uh, I'd probably default to human, okay. uh, just because. I know enough about body dysmorphia to know that <laughs> it'd be an issue if I was. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's uh, I, as much as people say it's it, it, it is an actual issue. You mm -hmm. know, um, so I'd probably default to human just so that you know my brain didn't get messed up with the fact that I didn't look the way I looked. Um, that's that's fair enough. Um, Class-wise, I've always said that I will be, uh, it'd probably be a healer of some form. Uh, it'd probably be a fighter-healer mix. Okay. And the reason why I say healer is because I have chronic injuries and pain and um, And so being able to cast a healing spell uh, and fix all of those would be amazing. Um, it's, you know, get old enough and get injured enough and everyone's answer will be healer. Trust me. <laughs> I, okay. Well, see, I, I've dealt with quite a few injuries in my life. Uh, my sophomore year of high school, I dislocated my shoulder playing softball. My junior year, I popped my uh, right knee completely out of place uh, in show choir dance practice. And I drove a stick shift at that time. So that was fun. Mm -hmm. So I kind of yeah. agree with the healer stuff. But... I'm glad you brought up healers because I did have one comment written down and you just reminded me of it. I think in a world like the system apocalypse where, you know, death is death. There's no response. There's none of that. I think a healer's job would be the hardest. Not in the sense of combat wise, but mentality wise, because if someone dies, the healer's going to take that on themselves. They're going to be like, I couldn't heal them fast enough. 
they're dead because of me. It's not because the tank couldn't pull aggro or the DPS wasn't dealing enough damage. I couldn't provide the heals. And I've always said I would rather I would love to be a paladin. I dwarf paladin has always been my go to like race uh, class combo. I could not be a, a, a healing paladin. I would have to be like a straight up just tanky boy. I, I would have to be at the front line of defense and trying to keep everything off of my team. And I would put that yeah. risk above my team. But being a healer, I just I could never do because I don't know if I could emotionally or mentally handle the fact that I if one of my party's members dies, that's on me. And I think in like this type of world, like the system apocalypse with how much stuff is going on, there's a lot of, there's a lot that could happen. And I feel like as a healer, that would break me personally. It requires a certain type of person. Um, uh, yeah. You, you, you talk to people in ER, ER surgeons and, uh, soldiers uh, who have worked uh, places like um, the ge genocide areas and whatnot where they're digging out stuff and um, it requires a certain type of person to be able to keep going back you, you can go the first time it's the going back uh, you know and doing it again and again and again it requires a certain it's partly trained mentality. You have to be able to train yourself to compartmentalize all of this. But yeah, it's uh, it, it, it does require just a specific type of individual. Um, I'm not sure I would be that kind of individual myself. Probably not. I did run away from being a doctor um, quite fast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, for me, being a healer is more very personal and... If I was put in a new world, it would be a case of I'm not going to, I'm not likely to go out adventuring. I'll probably be inside, you know, the very safe city, you know, healing people and casting healing spells and, you know, okay. helping the world get a bad, get better, not running around, you know, punching dragons in the face. So, so you'd be a non-combatant? Probably. Um, I enjoy combat. Uh, I enjoy sparring and I enjoy martial arts, but that's with the knowledge that it's all fake, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I, I would definitely be a, uh, a combatant. Um, I, I did between five to eight years. I can't remember the exact number. Um, I studied Wing Chun Kung Fu. So like I, I said, I studied martial arts. I had a brother who, um, He's he's in the military, so I was always kind of the sparring partner. So I, I got some tough skin on me because I, I it, it was the older brother beat down a lot of the time. But I did. I did get to knock my brother down. He said, if you knock me down in one punch, I'll leave you alone for the rest of the year. He did not leave me there alone for the rest of the year, but I did get to knock him down. I had that mean right hook. <laughs> Joel, would you be a combatant or non-combatant in a fantasy type world? That's a question we've never really asked. We've always asked like the race and class combo, but we've never asked about the whole combatant, non-combatant thing. So prior to Dragon Con, I probably would have said no. I, I like 
wouldn't be a combatant, but you would have let me go on over Dragon Con. I no, I got <laughs> to have fun LARPing for the first time, oh. and I, I kind of just fell in love with like, uh, like sword. Uh, Wait, did you like, dual wield or did you have a sword and shield? I dual wielded. I am not surprised. Here to all the way. <laughs> I was thinking your your assassin nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rogue From type uh, character for honor. Yeah, your for you're, honor. Yeah, your assassin peacekeeper character. <laughs> that, that was kind of what I was doing. I was I, just like, I'm not surprised. Wah, wah. I didn't even need to ask the question, but yeah. I feel like our audience would have uh, loved to know. Yeah, but so honestly, I had a lot of fun with that. Um as far as like actual combat you can't really say like until until it happens but uh i don't know i i think it'd be awesome yeah all right we are gonna go ahead and uh wrap up the show so uh joel where can people find you uh you can find me on twitter you can find me on uh twitch um yeah at sir valor hunter both uh for both of those all right and mr wong where can uh people find you and your work well my work is all on uh the various retailer websites mostly amazon uh these days um but and if you want to find out more details, you can always go to my website itself, mylifemytow.com. Uh, if you want to contact me, I am in a variety of locations, including Twitter. So that's the at tr underscore wong uh, that you see. And I do have a Discord channel as well as a Facebook fan page. Uh, sorry, Facebook auto page. Uh, which is where, you know, I do most of my communication with people. And I do have a Patreon, too, uh, where people get to read uh, early chapters and chat with me as they want to. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I have your stuff on uh, Kindle and Audible. Like, I, I may or may not have went a little too hard when I <laughs> uh, started the series, but that's okay, because, you know, I, I've been working a lot. But... You can always find me at Rich Dolphus on Twitter and Twitch. You can find me here on the Penultimate Conquest. Uh, one of my recent, uh, the episodes I did recently was a reaction to the state of play for PlayStation, and that was a grand time. That was an absolutely fun time. But that go ahead, that's going to go ahead and wrap up our show. We have the uh, show as of right now planned for the next few. Uh, episodes we are going to be discussing the feedback loop by uh, Harmon Cooper on our next episode which is on the 26th of this month yes I wanted to make sure I get my dates right and then Joel I'll let you go ahead and announce what uh, 1010 is going to be uh, 1010 we are discussing Equalizer uh, by Ryan DeBruin with special so. guest Ryan DeBruin he with will be... special guest Ryan De Bruin, <laughs> but for everything that is lit RPG, 
Thank you for tuning in. My name is Richie Stevens, your Wood RPG expert here on the Penultimate Conquest, joined by Joel Harvey and Tao Wong. And you can always find us here for your one-stop Lit RPG shop. Have a great day. <laughs>